0: Just a quick note before we get started, we finished recording this episode when Texas still trailed in the softball game against the Oklahoma State Cowgirls. We actually signed off as Texas hit the three-run home run to start the rally. We are so excited for the ladies, and we will absolutely be covering the championship series as Texas advances for the first time to the Women's College World Series Finals. We are so excited, and we will be back next week with finals coverage. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who knows that Texas and OU are carrying the conference in the postseason,
1: Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, what else is new, Gerald? I'm good. Uh, I'm fantastic. Yeah, Texas is... Uh... Texas and OU in multiple sports seem to be uh, the top dogs. We've played for some championships, conference championships, national championships against each other. Um, we we don't love them, but we we respect them. We do. We we understand that as as our uh, one rival who's actually good at things. Um, you know, we we respect them begrudgingly.
0: The crazy thing to me is every time the Big Twelve hypes up a Texas national championship, my like head explodes a little bit because if you take a look at who is not featured prominently in the conference commercials, uh, it's Texas and OU, but they are sure as fire very willing to hype when texas wins a national championship or presumably this is probably a foregone conclusion oklahoma wins a softball national championship in like the next three days which it's fine it is what it is they are just the best team in the country and possibly the best team of all time like they've got a shot at it so like i I just wish the big 12 would like just ignore us if you're gonna ignore us when you're public in the conference ignore us when we make your conference look good but they won't because they're a bunch of chumps the big 12 sucks i'm glad we're leaving
1: as it was said in the uh 2011 documentary anchorman <clears throat> deep down in my stomach with every inch of me i pure straight hate you do, do i respect you
0: i love it i love it that might be one of the earliest anchor I don't, I, I, we try not to reference anchorman too much here but it's formative for both of us we're not here to talk about early 2000s will ferrell references we're here to talk about early 2020s texas success on the diamond the baseball team honestly kind of cruised through the regional and is on its way it was it would look like texas might had an outside shot to host a super but uh ecu held on so texas will be heading to greenville to take on ecu in the supers texas had not a ton of trouble in the regionals like Cruised over Air Force. Pete Hansen did Pete Hansen things. Louisiana Tech on Saturday, in front of a massive crowd, one of the biggest crowds in school history. I was going to say, Lucas Gordon had himself an afternoon in in Louisiana Tech, uh, even though they put a couple up on the board and you know, only one of those was credited to the starter, like, it never really felt like it was in doubt, and the same thing could be said about Sunday. Texas jumped on Air Force early, and, and Air Force didn't really have, uh, you know, after having to battle out of that loser side, uh, didn't really have the ability to, to get back in that one, and so now, like, Texas got an extra day off, they didn't have to pitch Hanson again, which was nice, and so Pete Hanson's gonna have a nice rested arm as they head to uh, the East Coast.
1: And you know what was great, Gerald, was that You know, you you talked about, obviously, Hanson did what he did. Gordon did what he did, right? Those are the two kind of known knowns at this point in the season. I thought the bullpen actually was pretty pretty great all, you know, all throughout. Uh, It was interesting um, when they came for the, you know, have to win one of two uh, against Air Force, basically in uh, game six of the regional. um, They, instead of going with kind of the established starter, Tuesday starter, whatever you want to call it or you know even third starter with Stevens in the bullpen they went with you know Pierce had an idea that he was going to throw a couple guys no more than 50 innings he was going to get arms he was going to get Southard he was going to get Steely he was going to get um Duplantier in there uh, he, he said they're still kind of getting some guys some confidence and, and getting the rotation which is nuts because we're at like 66 games or something like that but nonetheless uh, fine I guess um, but you know I, I liked it but you know it was unfortunate that LeBaron Johnson gave up the home run or you know they could have had a purely uh, shutout with with bullpen arms in that closeout um, which was nice but you know um, Stevens gave up one in three and two thirds looks really great uh, in relief in that LaTeX Game that there was a, a very vaunted law tech reliever on the other side who did not look so great, um, and and you know in the uh, in the the first Air Force game zero runs given up by the bullpen. So I mean it, it all in all you talked about Gerald not having the drama. We we love love um, we can do a ranking if you want, but love baseball regional baseball like postseason regionals. I, I love March Madness. I, I I adore college sports. Bowl seasons great, but man this. If this is how baseball regionals are going to be every year if they're this much fun and this much drama, especially when it's everyone except Texas, that's a perfect start like let Texas be the boring one and let everyone else just go buck wild in their in their you know 25 run games that go back and forth. I like a little a little boring. I like you know saluting the troops thanking them for for playing and chanting USA as we send them off and, and we get a little extra rest.
0: We got to wrap up our weekend early and enjoy the absolute drunken madness of Stillwater (laughs) or what was going on in College Station where neither of those two teams seemed like they wanted to win that game. It was just, or maybe both of them wanted to win it a whole lot. Like we got to, we got to relax. Like it's nice being able to just like check out and be like, you know what, Texas cruised it and they did everything we talked about. You know, we talked about it last week. If Texas could, could play well in those first two games and come away with a win, then we felt pretty confident that they would be able to, to cruise out there and they absolutely did it. And so that to me was the big win is that whatever this version of Texas is compared to what thought they would be in February, Texas looked like the optimized version of that. Texas looked like the the best version of what they can be. And if Texas does that, if they take that to, to the Carolinas with them, I still feel pretty solid about that matchup because Texas, the, I mean, the top two guys in this lineup, if Texas gets a good game from either of them, the bats are going to do what the bats do. And Texas being optimized at the
1: right time, it's hard to beat. We know what the arms are if the bullpen can can just kind of keep doing what they're doing right now and the big bats, right? The Staley, Melendez that we know what we're going to get. But but I love that we're getting so much production from the other guys in the postseason. It does feel like some guys are really hitting stride at the exact right time. Skyler Messenger went four for five with three RBIs in the first uh, Air Force game. Dylan Campbell had three home runs scattered across the, the three games. I mean, it, it's like, like, that's what you really want to see is if yes you know what staley you know what melendez can do you know what hodo can do when he gets on base and can be a run for those guys to drive drive in you know that todd has been salty here as he doesn't want to end uh, his his career um you know just seeing these other other hitters step up and then knowing you have a guy like faltini who's who's you know trying to get to 15 home runs on the year uh has a dangerous bat at the at the end of the lineup can do some things he drove in some runs this weekend you know eric Kennedy can be a game changer. Mitchell Daly gets it going. You know, he had an insurance run in one of the games. So, I mean, it, it is exciting that the bats are not just the the, the big bats, the, the, the national, you know, award-winning bats in, in Melendez and, and, and Staley. But it is truly, it looks like a team that can hurt you a bunch of different ways. And that's great because you're going to, I mean, you're going to legitimately have to do that. Like players will have to be kind of Unsung or, or, or unexpected heroes in in a deep Omaha run. So we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. There is still obviously a super regional, but the thing is that when when this draw came out, you know, there was some split Twitter decision. I think the general census consensus was pretty good draw because if they can get through this, they matched up pretty well with everyone on the the. East Carolina side of the the bracket, even if it was the presumptive favorite, East Carolina to win. Um, but there were kind of some murmurs that it it was a tough draw, right? Our RPI said Dallas uh, Dallas Baptist was 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 good. Texas didn't have to play them. La Tech, very good, and and Air Force the toughest, you know, four. Uh, Around and and they had beaten Texas, right? The, Paul Skeens is picked up his third loss of the season in that first game. He's a potential first round pick. Baseball America right now has him as the number two ranked prospect in the country. He's ten and three pitching. He also is their starting catcher. He's DH, like just a a, a crazy player. That's you know that was the toughest starting pitcher in this tournament, and then the toughest reliever for La Tech. We got six straight hits off. So Texas passed their two biggest tests, and then again, like I mentioned, the bullpen working. I mean that. All of those things to me say this is a team that is doing the things they need to do at the right time. Was it a beautiful, perfect season where nothing went wrong? No. Of course not, but they're doing the things they need to do at the right time, and you know it should be a, a, a really good super.
0: There's something to be said about getting hot at the right time, and again, we said it last week, and and you'll this will be a a theme for us throughout the show. But like we were so high on this Texas team coming in, like I put out the dumb tweet that like this uh, this team has a chance of being one of the one of the greats, and I and I stand by that at that moment. But again, we, we let our highs get really high, and so the the coming down from that mountaintop really sucked, but. Texas has a shot to end up right back in Omaha and when you get to Omaha anything can happen and so that's that's really where Texas sits you know they've got the national player of the year and Ivan Melendez based on collegiate baseball's assessment of it it seems like this team is getting hot at the right times Faltini's getting hot Dylan Campbell is hotter than he's been all stinking here like Texas's ability to go on a run seems there texas' ability to to make a run and to win some baseball games it seems like a foregone conclusion at this point now we 're not going to guarantee it our our, our guest in the second segment will make some guarantees <laughs> but uh, at this point, like Texas seems like they 've got a shot to to make a run and I feel confident saying that i, I wouldn't have, i wouldn't have felt confident saying that a month ago, but I feel really confident saying it right now
1: a couple of 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 notes before we close right This was texas's twelfth time. Um, to advance to the NCAA Super Regional since the Super Regional format. Um, the toughest thing was, and I watched today, uh, recording this Monday, I watched to see uh, if the Battle of the Carolinas, if the Chanticleers could pull it out, which would mean Texas could stay at the dish, would be great. They improved to 27-7 and 7 at the dish this year. They're very good at home. But, Gerald, the last time that Texas had to go on the road for a Super Regional was 2005 when they won a national championship so it is a good omen if you like those kinds of things and you know when you say does texas have the arms did they find a bullpen arm jared southard pitched in the the closing decisive game three scoreless innings to get the w in three innings struck out a career-high six and only allowed one hit and when they asked him what was different in the most blatant NIL pitch, which I respect him, don't hear that as a criticism, but an absolute respect, he uh, he mentioned that the thing he was doing different was someone gave him a, fr- a frost blue Gatorade to drink, and so that now that's what he's drinking, <laughs> and that's how he's performing, so again... Jared go get your money get yours keep drinking that particular uh I guess flavor of Gatorade and maybe just be that that reliable arm after Stevens that we need uh out of the pen but yeah I think all in all like I said it, it there's some there's some good omens um at, at a good time you know M- Melendez getting into the 30s on home runs now he can just bump that number up which is amazing Sky Messenger you know coming from Kansas and winning the regional most outstanding player like just just really good stuff good good juju right now uh, around the team so let's see uh, if we can keep that going the eighth 85-02 85-02 against La Tech on Saturday was the largest game at uh, Dish Falk. And though it wasn't the last, the Air Force game on Sunday was the last game of the season that we played at, at Dish Falk. We all know that it's this is the University of Texas at Omaha.
0: The closest my wife has ever been to being a Division I athlete, um, Frost Blue Gatorade was the fuel of third trimester <laughs> Mrs. Goodrich. And so close to being a D1 athlete. No, so Texas this weekend travels to Greenville. To take on East Carolina. And we will obviously keep up with that. And those results uh, are going to factor into the conversation we have on the other side of this break.
1: And, Gerald, I do want to add one final thing. Uh, Twitter user at being Francake, Francesca, tweeted out, and this is good information, PSA, if you're looking at flights to watch Texas in the Super Regional, you want to travel? You want the Greenville in North Carolina with airport code PGV, not South Carolina one with the code GSP. The Carolinas get a little bit inbred in, in their naming, and, and I'm not going to go any further than that. But uh, you know, just make sure you go to the right airport if you're if you're going to uh, travel to the Super to support our horns in the Pirates Bay uh, against East Carolina.
0: So we did a check-in on the Directors Cup standings. Which really, honestly, not that long ago, like maybe a month ish ago. And since then, uh, or in that conversation, it seemed like, you know, Brett, our our friend Brett made the bold prediction uh, that Texas would probably likely like if if things shake out the way that we thought they would uh, come home with a director's cut. Uh, Not only did things not shake out how we thought they did, they shook out better. Than we thought they did, and so uh, we decided to bring the 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 man, the myth, the mathematician himself, Brett Wilkinson, back on the show to help us break down. Uh, Texas is in a spot to essentially claim almost be the presumptive winner of the director's cut. Man, Brett, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good, and you're exactly right. We're here to talk about how the math is going to shake out to uh, basically show that this is a, a done deal. The writing's on the wall. Um, and, and I'm thinking Texas is taking home back-to-back Directors' Cup championships.
1: After 25 years of, of trees dancing on our grave, that's the Stanford dancing trees, it, it's good to get a back-to-back, you know, uh, it, it's good that Texas is, in fact, back. I think that's what Sam Ellinger was talking about when he said that was in, you know, Directors' Cup, Country Club, and Olympic sports, specifically, we uh, we were, were back. But, I mean... I, honestly, after last year, it's like, man, was that a fluke? This this year has has been, well, you tell us, has been, it feels like, at least as good, if not better than what was an incredible year last year.
2: Well, I have the number here, actually. Yeah, actually, Texas 2022 is going to blow Texas 2021 out of the water. They actually wow. already, already have surpassed the 21 score, um, and we still have some um, sports to wrap up. So, yeah, this year has been insane in terms of across the board high level success Um, lots of teams ranking in the top one two three of their sports and it's been really impressive
0: it's wild to me that like and and it makes sense right the the most notable sport but like the entire narrative of texas athletics is based around football and texas sports but like it's hard to argue with the fact that like texas is doing something that one other team has done which is beat those stupid trees for a director's cup and now doing it in dominating fashion.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And and it would really help in this regard if Texas football turns it around like we hope they do. But even with a goose egg from <laughs> Texas football this year, Texas is, is running away with this.
1: Well, we often talk about top 10 10- texas but let's 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 get down and actually look uh at some of the numbers right we know the the three championships in like 11 days here since we've last spoken to you um but maybe maybe does it make sense to give a little bit of a uh a retrospective of of some of our top 10 top five top three finishes that have led us to this point
2: we'll get maybe a little ahead of our head of ourselves here but we've got the championships and in men's indoor track women's tennis men's golf rowing, of course. It's looking like women's track and field is shoulders above the competition. I would not be surprised in the slightest if they take home that championship. And the men's track team might put up another one. They're going to be neck and neck with Georgia. After that, though, you have the women's indoor track took second. Both swimming um, and diving programs took second. Second, excuse me. Softball right now has clinched a third place finish and fighting for second place as we speak. So that's, that's 10 programs right there that are going to finish in the top three.
0: And again, there, we're running out of ways to say it, but it almost feels historic. And so I know you've, you've kind of crunched the numbers and looked back at kind of, you know, where we we've come from and where we are now. So I'd love to just hear your perspective as somebody who knows this way better than Kyle and I ever hope to like, what, what is Texas doing right now? Like just, just put it in context for us.
2: Yeah. Let's, let's go back to when we last talked. Uh, I did predict a finish of Texas, Michigan, Stanford, um, Things started looking a little dicey. Michigan did not keep up their end of the bargain. Felt like I was watching the 2005 Rose Bowl. Just lots of disappointment with Michigan. Um, Lots of their sports were just sliding a little bit down the rankings, losing points. Their men's hockey team, women's gymnastics, rowing, all kind of faltered a bit here down the stretch. And overall, they had lost 40 points off of their predicted score. Wow. Now, we'll talk about this uh, later, but their baseball team has been a bit of a redemption story. I was, I was penciling in zero points for their baseball team, and if you've been paying attention this last weekend, that's not exactly the case. So Michigan started sliding. Meanwhile, Stanford was just charging strong. They did win three national championships. These were expected, so it wasn't too much of a shock. Um, that was men's gymnastics, women's golf, water polo. But then they also were improving their rankings in rowing. They finished second in dramatic fashion to Texas for the second time in a row. Um, Their women's tennis team um, overachieved. Their softball team overachieved. They beat um, Alabama in a regional. And actually, they had a a lucky circumstance in that they got to play Oregon State at home um, in the Super Regionals, but they got swept by Oregon State and did not take advantage of that. Um, their track and field teams, I had them ranked, ranked way low, but when I looked back, when I pulled those numbers, they had one meet under their belt and it was the Stanford Invitational compared to Texas whose rankings were already way up there, but they had Texas Invitational, UTSA, the, um, Texas A&M dual meet. So the, the Stanford track and field rankings weren't very accurate at the time. Their men's team, I had ranked as 146 in the nation, they jumped all the way up to number nine. Wow. So, so all of this led to Stanford adding 92 points, almost almost an entire championship worth of points um, to their predict- predicted score. That's along with baseball. Their baseball team was unranked at that yeah. point, charged yeah. all the way up to a current two seed. So Stanford came on strong, Michigan fell off, I, I thought my prediction was done. There was no way Podstradamus was going to be named after me next season. <laughs> um, it was looking bleak. Um, and we'll have to see. We'll talk about how that might finish up. For, for Texas, obviously a lot going on all the time in Texas sports, but there really wasn't a whole lot of action, not a whole lot of updates for Texas, not a lot of championships that Texas was competing in. Um, but then we kind of started getting the ball rolling, we, we saw some expected finishes from the women's golf team, from the men's tennis team. They did about what we thought. And, and that really led into this run where Texas just kind of went crazy. Uh, we saw the softball team start making their run. The women's tennis team overachieved by winning their national championship. And then rowing hung, hung on in dramatic fashion to take home the championship like we expected And then we see men's golf start to make a run through their tournament. And that kind of led us up to this moment last Tuesday where I was like, this is it. They've clenched that there's enough points here, enough prediction that we can say as of last Tuesday, Texas is going to take home the director's cup.
1: So you are, are basically the, uh, is it, is it, NBC, one of the news stations, calls the presidential election way before everybody else uh, every year. You, whichever one that is, that's that's basically what you were giving us. You'd run the numbers. You'd you'd uh, you'd Mister Silverdust. Uh, you you basically you you came to us early, but we were you know Gerald and I wanted to make sure we, we waited and we said you know I'm going to run a couple more. Let's let some more counties come in. Let's let some votes. You know, um, but now I feel like based on the data you've given us, your your big CNN board with different sports flipping different colors that you just did, which is beautiful. Um, Podcast is a visual medium. So I hope everyone closes their eyes and imagines that. Uh, But uh, I mean, are you ready to to truly here and now call it for Texas uh, barring, you know, natural disaster that wipes out, you know, uh, an event and we, we have had a pandemic things can happen. Um, but now, barring some, some catastrophic, uh, non-sports, um, act of God, basically, are, are you, are you comfortable calling Texas the tonight on this podcast, the 2022 director's cup champion?
2: You know, I, I am. And, and even more so tonight than last Tuesday, Last Tuesday, here's where we sat and and why I was ready to stop the count, so to speak. Stanford golf, their men's team, they missed the cut. They didn't make the the top 15. They finished 18. So they were done. Men's golf advances. They make the quarterfinals. Things are, are moving in the right direction with men's golf. That same day, um, your favorite acronym, the USTFCCCA released their track and field rankings. Um, Texas women, number one, Texas men actually dropped down to number two. But if if you look in the detail of that, Texas and Georgia are neck and neck on the men's side, really no one close to those two teams on the men's side. You look at the the detailed look of the women's rankings, the women's team is head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. Um, And Stanford, um, on the other hand, they came in, they're Women's team ranked 19th. Their men's team ranked ninth. Looking at if they have a good run and some other teams falter, I don't see them placing higher than seventh on the men's side, 13th on the women's side. So you start filling in these numbers. Let's say that I was saying they're going to win the championship in baseball, and let's assume softball goes 0-2 at college World Series. Let's assume baseball goes 0-2 in their regional at that point, Texas had enough points. Once the men's golf team made the semifinals, the score was 1335 for Texas, 1328 for Stanford. And at that point, it couldn't get any worse for Texas. It couldn't really get any better for Stanford. That's that's when it became clear that we could call it.
1: So worst case scenario event happening, we were able to call it. And again, to remind our, our listeners, we have had... Better than worst case scenario. So, so chin up, folks. It's even better uh, than than what we just painted.
2: Yeah, and and here's the this. Well, let me not get ahead on this part because let's talk about where things stand right this very moment. Live standings. Yeah, um, and that's and when I say that, I mean I'm including the points that the baseball teams have already secured. Um, I'm including the softball points. Um, so this is as up to date as you could get a ranking as we come filming this Monday night. Um, it might even change if Texas can win this softball game, but Michigan first place, 1270, 1,270 points. Their baseball team went and ended the regular season RPI 71, won their conference championship to make the tournament. Um, and, Went on to win a couple of games, and if, if you paid attention to the game against Louisville today, they actually had a lead in the eighth inning. They were six outs away from making the Super Regionals with an RPI of 71. They didn't, but they were going to take a zero on their score sheet, and instead they took a 50. Hmm. So they're back in first place with 1,270 points. Stanford is 15 points behind them right now with 1,255. Um, and Texas is at sitting at 1253, so they're just behind Stanford in the up-to-date rankings as of right now. Here's the interesting thing, really interesting thing. Pay attention to the Stanford-Texas State baseball game tonight. If Texas State knocks off Stanford, Stanford is done scoring points in baseball, all they have left is their um, track and field teams And if their track and field teams finish as they are currently ranked, Michigan would hold on to take second place over Stanford Ah. by 0.5 points. Wow. So it really is going to come down to what happens tonight in this baseball game. And then what happens in track and field between Stanford and Michigan. Uh Now, if Stanford goes on a run in baseball, it's probably not going to matter but if they lose tonight, or even if they lose in the super regional, it's going to be close, depending on how their track and field team does. Suck it,
0: trees. So <laughs> Suck it my trees.
2: my prediction, my prediction still could um, come to fruition. We'll have to see. Well, for your sake,
1: we're all saying eat them up, cats. Uh, go ahead and and Texas State, who was a fun baseball team we all saw uh, in a midweek series against Texas. They have they have some some scare to them. And If you've watched, I actually watched. Two, I think one or two of their games this postseason, they uh, they're, they're still dangerous. So I, I like I like that matchup. I like that game. We you know you just heard the numbers. And again, remember Texas has potentially two national championships, or, or, which are 100 points each, right? Or at least very close to it with their finishes in men's and women's track uh, still waiting out there. So if that if you heard us call it basically, and then say uh, oh, but wait, it, he just said we're in third. That's that's what's coming, right? We know that there are some points coming super regionals and beyond for baseball track men's track women's uh, still to be scored.
2: Yeah. Remember Texas still has an empty spot on the score sheet. We're not going to fill up our score sheet until we get these track and field scores. So we just have a blank and we're going to replace that blank. And we're going to replace a 25 point effort from the soccer team with our track and field finishes, which are going to be big points. So we have a big swing, coming that's going to push us up over 1,400 points, um, which is a big score.
0: I love it. And this is a big score having you to break this down because Kyle and I would never have done this. And so Brett, <laughs> like we appreciate you again, taking the time out to, to crunch the numbers and share them with us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's I uh, I don't know. It's, it's a sickness of mine, but it's just how I'm <laughs> wired. I like to make a spreadsheet, do the math, crunch the numbers. And, and one more thing I'm going to share with you all. This is the, the stone cold lock that we have at this oh. point. ooh. If Stanford wins the baseball championship, somehow, even though I'm sure it's impossible to win the track and field championship, they could score 1395. That's their absolute maximum at this, at this point. If Texas loses all their softball games, all their baseball games, and those track and field teams finish both in third place, which is highly unlikely. Texas would score 1398. So again, absolute best case scenario for Stanford, even not realistic, an unrealistic finish for Texas and the negative, Texas still comes out on top. So it's it's a done deal at this point.
1: Stone Cold lock of the week. I love it. I love it. You heard it here first, folks. This is the only podcast that gives you director's cup, guru, and good friend of the pod. Our friend Brett, where can the where can the folks find you if they want uh, they want to see some of your breakdowns? They want to obviously hear you on our podcast, but see any more of your info?
2: Two places. So um, I've been posting this on a thread on Horn Sports. So come check us out over there. Just a free thread on the forums over there, and and big announcement. And if people start following me, I'll start I'll start tweeting um, even this season, but for next season, I'm. Um, opening up a new Twitter account. It's gonna be called Director's Cup Updates. It's at direct underscore cup dates. Ah love it. A little play on words to get within the character count there. So <laughs> um start following me over there. Next year I'm planning to championship by championship, updating a full spread of the scores. Um, For whatever reason, Director's Cup likes to put out like three score updates the entire year. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to try to do it after every championship wraps up um, for for all the teams. So start following me over there and uh, we'll be putting out a lot of content when championships pick up again in the fall.
0: I love it, Brad. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, letting us be the first to to share the news of your new endeavor, man. We really appreciate uh, your time and your effort.
2: Absolutely. If if anybody deserves to be kept up to speed on this, it's you guys. So (laughs) appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much.
0: So now it's the part of the show where we whip around the only other thing going on on campus and we down the 40. The unlikely, if you are a fan of D1 softball, unlikeliest run. Uh, toward a Women's College World Series uh, continues as we're recording. It is 9.41 p.m. on Monday evening, Texas. After a shutout win on the arm of Estelle Check to force the winner-take-all game, Texas currently trails 3-0 in the bottom of the third. So we'll obviously probably won't have that by the time we're done, but uh, we do want to talk about the rest of that run. Texas came out firing in that first game uh, of the Women's College World Series to knock off number 5 UCLA. Mia Scott went 4 for 4 with a double, a triple, and two RBI, B-I, if you're feeling fancy, <laughs> uh, absolute, just incredible performance. Um, you're going to hear a lot of young, young guns contributing for Texas in this run. Uh, seven to two loss to OU to end up in the losers bracket, but then um, an absolute. Jam over Sunday from the, the horns five to two win over Arizona becoming just the second unseeded team to uh, reach the final four. Uh, we talked about Estelle check uh, earlier, but Estelle check um, just absolutely crushed it. Improved to 12 and one on the season. Just a great outing from her.
1: Yeah. 13 and one, I guess now as we are recording this, just winning the, the first game um, she was lights out in, in both of those came in relief. Uh, 3.3 uh and two-thirds scoreless uh called that checkmate and in, in the arizona game and then you know uh, pitched basically the or did pitch the entirety seven inning four hit three walk um three strikeout uh performance in the shutout only giving up four in the first game to oklahoma state to get to the the current winner goes to the championship position that uh they are as we record this um it, you know it Really great weekend. We talked about Haley Jolcini and just just gutting us to get here in some of the regionals, right against the Arkansas specifically. Um, Sophia Simpson coming through in the clutch uh, and getting the big win that sent them to the World Series. And then a sell check, right? These are we've talked about pitching all year, and where was it going to be? They've actually been better. Their ERA has been markedly better in the postseason and in the World Series specifically, and they're defense has been better their fielding percentage is up like from an I think 95 952 up to currently I'd have to look exactly where we sit but like 980 Um, you know heading into this I think they they started off a little bad against the the Oklahoma State but you know it has been defense and pitching and timely hitting and also um, Mike White having is burnt orange in his veins, but still feeling an absolute wrath for the Pac-12 beating Washington, UCLA, and Arizona. I mean, so if you're a Pac-12 team and you see Mike White on the schedule, you know that he, the North remembers, uh, and he is he he is gonna hold a grudge his whole life, which I love. Um, when they beat UCLA, I think so. A couple things, Charles. Yes, they are the second team ever. James Madison last year was the first ever. So before last year, there was zero. There are only four wins coming into this ever by unseeded teams texas you know almost doubled that um which is amazing right it, it's it's incredible but it also i think goes back to our original point that texas probably should have been seated and they got jobbed. Um, but i'll take it let them be let them be a part of history um and and i mean ucla you saw them when they beat ou they did it with incredible pitching right and when texas won that first game i think it kind of put everyone on alert like this is not the perfect Texas team. They could have used a little bit of this, a little bit of that. They started so bad at the beginning of the season. But a Coach White team with a Janae Jefferson, you know, legend, with Haley Dolcini coming to fruition at the end, uh, with some other pitchers just stepping up, with Mary Copo being clutch, with Mia Scott and some of these other young guns coming in, with Bella Dayton and Arizona transfer getting in there, and J.J. Smith. And all the, I mean, the, the, they are just a collective. And, you know, Katie Simmons, I think that they have a lot – to build on. And I think you see why we've said for a long time, coach white is such a great hire. This is the first, uh, since 2013 that Texas has participated in the college world series. And this is where they belong. And this is where I think coach white wants that standard to be. And, you know, honestly, just whatever happens in this final game, uh, against Oklahoma state here, uh, incredibly proud and one of the most remarkable turnarounds uh, in Longhorn history from where they started the season. We thought they might not even make the, the big 12 postseason tournament. It looks so bleak there for a minute.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the Texas team and they had a lot of transfers come in. And this was a team that lost some key pieces and was still trying to figure itself out early. We talk about it a lot when it's tournament sports, it pays to get hot at the right time. And Texas got hot at the right time. And again, regardless of how these things shake out, this is a Texas team that overperformed based upon what we um, what we thought they would be again, like six eight weeks ago. Texas made a run and they had an opportunity to to go to the finals and play OU. and it, And uh, it may not turn out that way, but regardless, uh, they have a lot to be proud of. And I think the seniors, somebody like Janae Jefferson, who becomes the second. Texas player and just the 40th softball player to be named a four-time all-American. Like they can go out with their heads held high because of what they accomplished in Oklahoma
1: city. Yeah. I don't want to skip over that. Make sure the listeners heard that. Janae Jefferson became the 40th ever second only to Kat and four-time all-American at the university of Texas. Um, just really incredible a Longhorn legend a a player who moved into the Rushmore when we did our softball Rushmore conversation we talked about her as being potential let's see how her career finishes well she edged somebody I don't know who maybe we'll have to revisit Um, it's tough there's some there's some some good ones but uh, she deserves her place up there Um, and again however this ends just an absolute Longhorn legend Janae Jefferson such a pleasure to watch her over the past four years
0: retire her jersey already. Just do it now. Don't wait. Just retire it now. She deserves it. And so that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: I'm going to do a quick one. Um, I'm going to do a quick two, I guess. So uh, just a reminder, we haven't said it on this uh, podcast. I don't think we've tweeted it out, but hopefully everyone knows. Uh, Golden Spikes voting Uh, There's a percentage that is fan voting, 5%, but nonetheless, it is ongoing currently. Today's uh, we're recording this on June 6th. Uh, You can still fan vote up to 25 times a day for Ivan Melendez. Uh, Basically, they will cut down, and everyone assumes the the finalists. Melendez will be in that, and I believe that will open back up from June 8th to June 14th. You can vote 25 times per day on however many devices or IP addresses or, or you know, bots uh, that you have. Um, again, it's 5%. It's not the whole vote. But, you know, let's give Ivan everything he deserves. Just a, a brief reminder about the, the season that Ivan Melendez has had and, and why he was named the Collegiate Baseball National Player of the Year, the fourth Longhorn to ever win it after Brooks Kieschnick, Scott Bryant, and Greg Swindell. He leads the country in homers with 30, uh, slugging percentage 903, and the only player in the country to reach base, uh, or to have over 200 total bases this year. Second nationally with 87 RBI, fourth with a 522 on base percentage, and eighth with an over 400 batting average. One of the greatest offensive seasons of all time. You shouldn't be able to be that uh, powerful as well as hit over 400. Um, you know, just go vote for Melendez because the, the, the guy's, a, guy's an absolute absolute hoss now we talked about baseball and softball in on this one and i'm going to close out with softball uh hopefully you've all been watching as much as you watch the the austin regional you've been watching this week the the world series we just talked about and in this incredible uh run that they've had but it Softball has has risen as as the, the tides have risen. We we've long said that it's one of the sneaky one of the most popular sports. It's actually by attendance and by TV uh, ratings past volleyball is the most uh, viewed women's sport, and, and effectively after the big two men's sports um, or three, I should say, with baseball, kind of comes in as the fourth most popular collegiate sport. It's a big deal. People love softball they've been breaking attendance records in Oklahoma City with people actually showing up to watch it also they've been breaking uh you know records Texas has been a part of that the uh, Fayetteville was the most watched ever uh super regional the the Texas versus UCLA game to kick off the World Series was on ABC it was on big ABC where the national championship in football where the biggest award shows you know like you have to be a big deal to get on the the biggest Disney channel in front of the most eyes basically um not just ESPN but all the way up to ABC it's a big deal um and and I think the athletes are responding because it's been great softball. It's been great to watch. I hope everyone who listened to this podcast either already listens and says, duh, Kyle, we've been doing that for months, years, decades, or says, you know what? I should. I should watch our softball team and support uh, all those legends we just spent a minute talking about. Um, and, and and watch the other teams too because o- OU, as much as we don't like to respect them, is putting up an absolutely historic season. UCLA is an all-time titan. Oklahoma State is building something there and I hate it but they're very good you know and so it's it's a great sport we love softball. I, for multiple years, have been hyping it on this podcast, and it's great to see it. Uh, it exists outside of this echo chamber that people are tuning in and seeing a great product.
0: Uh, one of my favorite moments of this run and the tournament being in Oklahoma City, my son and I were watching it. My oldest son, he's five, we're watching softball on on TV. We're watching just the games because we like sports, and it's not like a cartoon, and it's you know, something that he and the other boys can play and whatever but like we're watching it he's like enamored he's enthralled like he's loving it because it's a fast-paced game like it's super fun to watch and then we run an errand and we're going to pick up some dinner and some youth softball players like and i say youth they're probably high schoolers but i'm you know in my mid-30s so i'm terrible at guessing how old people are now um but they were somewhere between the ages of five and and 18 Uh, (laughs) and my son sees them he's like were those the girls that were just playing on our screen <laughs> they're so awesome and like that's what it's all about like sports connect people sports bring people together and like the the fact that my son was so hyped to see these like club softball players because we were just watching it on TV it was an incredible moment for for me as a dad it was just incredible uh, overall so I'm banging the drum this week on uh, umpires. Uh, umpires there are these moments where the officials of games, try to insert themselves into the narratives where they want to be a part of the game they're upset that they were unable to be a part of the game and so then they insert themselves in some random way and i don't know if you all caught this because they deleted the tweet but the ncaa uh put out a tweet of east carolina baseball uh they if you don't again we were following this one one of their studs absolutely just hit a moonshot just no doubter off the bat everybody in the stadium knew it his grandma knew it like my grandma knew it and she hasn't been around for a while Like everybody knew it Um, and he starts to admire it and then this this massive tool of an umpire puts a hand in his back and like runs along with him to tell him to run and I'm like dude your playing days are over and I don't care about the unwritten rules the sanctity of the game it's a game these are 19, 20, 21-year-olds living their freaking dream. Like, let them have a moment. Uh, and and that's really all I'm here to say is, like, Kyle and I love covering sports. We love watching sports. We love talking about sports. But the reason our podcast has the tone that it does and the po- the tone that we choose to give it is because it's supposed to be fun. It's a game. We have a good time talking about this game. And, yes, my emotions get way too tight on Saturdays in the fall. But it's a game. And the kids are having fun. And this is... Probably the most fun baseball and softball combined postseason I've seen in a very long time. And so I'm just here to bang the drum on enjoying sports and having fun because you know what? Life's too short to take it seriously.
1: Referees have been on my my mind, Gerald. Um not just because, you know, we always just like the Big 12 ones, but um, Mike Dean, a, a uh, notorious, I guess, English uh, referee, retired, had his last game a week or two ago, whenever the, the the final day of the Premier League was. And, you know, those of us who who love the Bants uh, were, were joking about how, you know, someone won a title, but Mike Dean won the day. Um, he's just a referee who theatrically inserts himself, you know, will delay the review symbol so that everyone's looking at him, just really – you see it. You know it. Um, he retired. And then I also, I mentioned I was listening to the uh, the Michael Lewis podcast uh, about referees and the need for them and, and the type of person who decides to go to that and that the certain areas of life that aren't refereed that should be. And so I, I've been in a really weird, introspective situation. There's also a national referee crisis and shortage where no one wants to do it. You know, there's other options. And uh, people are legitimately awful and mean to referees, especially youth referees and things like that. So... I, I'm I'm at a crux where yes I also hate refs and yes I usually blame them um, but you know that, that, that Michael Lewis made me made me stop and think a little bit maybe I've been too mean to certain referees uh, and umpires and and the like but um, the 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 one who you described who did the pushing in the back is a notorious blowhard I won't say his name here but you feel free to look him up um, he was fooled by some. Amateur framing, like a you know, like a a house built for for the third of the price during a lumber crisis. It was shoddy framework, and uh, he was just eating these that were a foot outside. Again, maybe I was a little biased for the Chanticleers, so that we could have a home series. But yes, same umpire, awful dude, notoriously bad. Uh, get those guys out. Like it helps people respect the position and authority of referees and umpires. get the jerks and the blowhards and the guys who like to make themselves the stars of the show out of there.
0: Breaking news, Courtney Dam day, all damn Courtney day. She had a three run home run to close the gap five to three Texas in the top of the fourth.
1: You're telling the me ladies, you're telling me this is Courtney days night. I love it. Uh, she sent yet another ball. Actually,
0: this was my favorite home run of probably my life. Uh, it looked like the, the outfielder was going to be able to catch it off the top of the wall and it just bounced off the top of her glove and into the stands Counts as a home run. bea beautiful. But that's all we've got for you this week because Kyle and I are going to hit the couch and watch the rest of this softball game with the rest of you. Kyle, if people want to follow you on Twitter, man, where can they find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Kirby. You can also follow the Texas Pre-Gamer at Texas Pre-Gamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G-H Goodrich. Follow show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, Pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time,
1: hook em. Hook em. OU sucks. OSU sucks. They all suck.